really when I'm doing the books, it's just pure fun. It's not, I, I try not to make it work. Um, it, it is work. It is hard work. Um, but it does, never feels like work um, because it's just my joy and my, my love of creating worlds and stories and, and pictures and this beautiful piece of art called a picture book, you know? So, um, hi, and welcome to you may contribute a verse. I'm Brenna Jenneret, children's lit author, mom, rock climber, and co-host of this podcast. My co-host Josh Munkin is a children's lit author, dad, science communicator, and my co-host. Today's episode is one from the archives before Brenna. I'm calling it BB. If you're a loyal listener, I'm sure this is hard to wrap your head around, but I assure you, Josh's guest, Steve Light, will dazzle you with his insight into how to get kids moving, advice like, if you please everyone, you're not doing something real, and his vast knowledge of fountain pens that you won't even notice I'm gone. This episode is several years old, so be sure to look for Steve's latest book released in 2021 called Road Trip. Just a reminder, Josh and I will be back with brand new episodes with guests like Valerie Bowling, Jennifer March Soloway, and oh my god, Joyce Sweeney in the fall. Until then, don't miss us too much. Here's Steve's verse. It's been great. It's been, um, you know, someone asked me just yesterday and I, my first book came out in 2000. So, you know, working on it a year or two before that. So I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years. Um, Over that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's 2019, you know. <laughs> At a year, it's 20. It's like, wow. Um, Gosh. Yeah, so it's crazy. So, I, I can't think of anything that I've done um, <laughs> for fun, for uh, consistently for the past 20 years, let alone taking a creative project and seeing it all the way through. Yeah, and, and I mean, drawing, I've been drawing since I was three, three and a half. Um, I... I think I was like three and a half, maybe towards four when I drew like the first thing that looked like something and it was like Snoopy. And I remember my mom just being like, who drew that for you? And I was like, no, I drew it, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so I've been drawing since then and, and drawing has always been a love something. I mean, I draw every day. I carry a sketchbook around with me no matter where I go. Um, and it's just, it, it really is, um, my greatest joy is to just sit down and draw, you know? Ha, ha, so you, you referenced three and a half. I mean, that's, that's the age that you teach. Did you always know that that was the age that you were going to either teach or try and reach with your books? No, not at all. Um, so I went to school for illustration, um, to Pratt Institute, I got to meet a great teacher there, Dave Pasolacqua, and I took, he had classes that he taught on his own, and I took and studied with him um, for a while after school. Um, my studio was actually right next door to his, my, my apartment was right next to his studio, um, and we, he really mentored me and, um, and everything. So I really thought I needed to do like corporate illustration, which is what I did when I got out of school. Um, very serious, um, boring soul sucking work <laughs> that I hated. Um, and I also did like a, a bunch of other, like very adult kind of illustration stuff. I mean, I did some comp ads for, um, absolute vodka, um, I did the comp ad for absolute upgrade where the guy's looking through to the first class, but it's in the shape of the absolute vodka, but I did the drawing and then they did the finished to propose the idea. It was an art director's idea, but I was his drawing hand. 
Um, I did some storyboards for Sony films and things. Um, and then I started teaching and, and reading the kids' stories. And I was a storyteller at a school. And so I said, why am I not combining? You know, and I started uh, uh, finding all these old children's books from when I was a kid that I loved and go, and remembering how much I loved them and, and the art in them and the story and everything. And I said, I, I think I need to try to do this, you know, and, um, it took a long time. It took a lot of, uh, publishers saying no, and then finally getting published, um, uh, which was great. And now I'm with Candlewick press, which is just, I feel like my family, just a, an amazing publisher who, who really fosters me and, and, um, We've been doing uh, now picture books and board books together and uh, just feel really blessed uh, to work with all the people there. They're very passionate about children's books, about putting out a really high quality product. Um, and it's just a great place to be. And it's a, I'm, I'm really blessed. So. And, and shout out to Anne, your publicist with Candlewick, for providing me with a lot of research materials in yeah, your, it's great. your background. It's I mean, they're, they're all amazing there, but she's, she's, she's really great. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah. I mean, to your point about high quality, th these are, are incredibly high quality books that, that Candlewick produces with dust jackets and, and, yeah, and you know, your, your very intricate illustration style. And down to the paper, the, the quality of the paper, like, you know, a lot of my books are drawn with fountain pens. So that became a thing that, you know, I would like to sign my books with fountain pens. So finding the right paper that, you know, worked with that, that was like, I don't like really shiny, um, glossy kind of paper and things. Um, so finding the right papers like that, um, just, just being concerned with the, the, the aesthetic like that, that I was is, is so amazing, you know, to, to have people that, you know, um, think the same way as you about the product, you know, it's just incredible. So, yeah. Is, um, is that something that you got involved in uh, down to something like the paper choice when your books are being published? Yeah. It's things that we think about and we talk about, um, me and my art director will talk about, um, you know, the, the, the quality, you know, the, the, the kind of paper, the kind of look that we're going for, for a certain book, um, and they'll usually come up back with better ideas than I have, but at least I can like say to them that what I'm thinking, and then they usually actually come back with a higher, a higher level of idea, you know, for it, um, and everything. So, um, yeah, but we, you know, we talk about the, the, even the type design cause I hand letter, um, a lot of the type for the titles. Um, have you seen my dragon that, that, that wording is hand done by me and um, most of my candlewick books are um not the board books but the picture books um even builders and breakers i hand cut the stencil and spray painted it um <laughs> so so they're always asking me about that and i'll send them sketches of what i'm thinking that's going to be as far as the, the you know the the type and the text and everything um yeah and we're we're constantly talking about you know, what kind of book it's going to be and, and how to add to, so that the actual book adds to the story, you know? Um, so. Is that, I mean, I, I'm kind of mentally comparing and contrasting that with some of your early, more corporate work. Is that ever difficult, that consultation process with an art director? No. See, the great thing about doing the children's books and what I like is when I did the corporate work, it was a huge committee that I was trying to illustrate for, you know, and it was just doing like 
weird things. It was like for AT&T and different companies like that. Like when, and, and, you know, you have this committee and everyone felt like they needed to give feedback. So you got, you know, 20 different directions that they wanted this one piece of art that they wanted to use to propose a new project. And, and so you had 20 different directions that they wanted you to go in. It was just ridiculous. Um, whereas now I work with an editor and an art director at Candlewick. I have two people that I work with and, um, and I, un, we've worked together before and we understand each other and we have the same, um, aesthetic values and the same thoughts about children's books. So it's actually a really nice process. It you know, it's hard when you first start out and you do your first book or two <clears throat> or three when you get changes back, you know, because I always joke with my agent because I can't send, I can't send a book idea or text or sketches unless I believe that that's the complete, you know, book and project that I want to do. Yet when I send it, I know that there's going to be changes and it's going to change. Does that make sense? So yeah, so it's absolutely. Kind of a funny process because it's like, you're working on it. You have these ideas. Okay. This is what I think the book should be. But when you send it, you know, they're going to come back with their point of view and, and then it's going to change. And that was hard at first when I first started doing children's books to understand. <clears throat> and once I realized that they're just trying to make the best book um, that we can make also, you know what I mean? And that they're, they just have a different point of view. And also when you're working on a book, you, you're kind of in it. So like, you don't always see, someone looking at it fresh and looking at it from another point of view. And so <clears throat> when you take those comments from that way, when they give you feedback and they give you notes and stuff and you go, Oh yeah, someone walking in and seeing this for the first time doesn't know, you know, you've been working with these characters for weeks. You've been working on this idea for months. Um, and so you, you know, you just kind of start to assume things about the book. And when you have these other two great people working with you that can give you this um, positive feedback and these notes to make it better, um, it's it's actually great. You know, and I, I've actually... Yeah, <coughs> sort of rel relinquishing a certain degree of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what... Uh, what, which one was your first book? And I, I was doing as much homework as, as I could to, to trace back your, uh, your, your bibliography. I, I got as far as Puss in Boots back in 2002. There yep, was work before that. That was my first picture book that came out. I actually did that work second. The Shoemaker Extraordinaire was actually my first book with a different publisher, Abrams. <clears throat> we did Shoemaker Extraordinaire. They asked me to do Puss in Boots because they were doing like remakes of fairy tales and that kind of related to the Shoemaker book. But so they actually released Puss in Boots, um, got published before Shoemaker. Um, but I actually did the art to Shoemaker first and then Puss in Boots. So that's a little confusing publishing trivia. Um, and yeah, so technically Puss in Boots was my first published book. Um and that was a lot of fun. I mean, the the crazy thing was that I was single and I was, you know, working freelance and being an illustrator. But um, I I would just work nonstop. So I like Puss in Boots. I think I did over the course of like a week, like seven days, but like hardly slept. And just for some reason thought I needed 
to do that and and work like this crazy schedule to get this work done because they they asked for the work you know and as a freelancer like you were always had these deadlines and everything <clears throat> so I just cranked out that book like crazy I just remember being so exhausted for like a week or two after that um because I thought that's how I needed to do it and then actually when I got married um my wife is a teacher also and and she said, no, you know, if you're teaching, we're, you're going to take the summers off. We'll figure out how to, you know, budget everything. But um, I was like, oh, I got to work on this book, you know, and I was going to just, you know, hunker down and work like crazy. <clears throat> and she just sat down with me with the calendar for the summer months and said, look, if you just do a page a day, you'll you get it done with like plenty of time to spare. But you'll be able to like breathe and like we can, you know, you could just work in the morning. And so that's what I actually do now. I work, um, Kennewick's really generous and, and understanding of my schedule, um, for teaching. And I, you know, teach during the school year and we send in, I send in sketches and text and book ideas and we develop the book ideas. Um, they know that the book has, the sketches have to be approved um, by June when I'm done teaching so that I can start to create the finished artwork. And in the summer, I actually get up earlier than I do when I'm teaching. I wake up at five and I work till around nine or 10. And then uh, my wife, Christine, gets up and we spend the rest of the day together. Um, it's a nice time in the morning that I have to myself. Um, I plot out on the calendar. You know, I usually give myself like two days per page to a children's book uh two page spread sometimes as two days um and that's usually enough time and i can just enjoy it and just you know not kill myself and and just do the work and enjoy the work and um and it's been great so based on what you had been saying it didn't sound like discipline is something that was ever a problem for you yeah um I don't know. I guess that comes from my, my dad, the, the work ethic. Um, we, yeah, my dad was always, always worked really hard and everything. Um, but yeah, no, even in college I would, you know, I went to Pratt for illustration and I was just so excited that people are asking me to draw and like create things. I would literally do the assignments the night that I got them. And I would always be walking around the night before the class where my friends were trying to cram and get these illustrations done. And I had finished them because I was so excited to do them, you know, and it was just something I did. And I, I you know, um, knock on wood, I've never uh, missed a deadline. Um, it's just because I'm I'm usually just so excited to do the work, you know, um, my my agent sometimes would be like, oh, you, you, you changed it so quickly. It made me feel like you weren't taking it seriously. And I'm like, no, I just, that's the, my brain works that fast. And, and I, and I work that fast, you know, like, I, you know, I, I, I thought about it enough, you know, I wouldn't have made the change or done that, you know, if I didn't want to, if it wasn't something I believed in, you know? So, um, yeah. The, the your first book, um, Shoemaker Extraordinaire. How long did it take you to crank that one out? So that one, um, that one was a little bit longer because I originally had done it in flat colored paper. So it was just a very graphic flat colored paper. Not all. I didn't finish the whole book. I just did a few illustrations that way, <clears throat> and and then I 
discovered the 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 printing the shoes and making the paper that way so i kind of like you know restarted um and did that so that probably took me about two weeks to do um the finished illustration to that work but that's all i was doing you know i wasn't teaching i was i was just freelance and that's the only project that i had to work on so um so like i said and back then i was just working non-stop all day you know uh hardly sleeping yeah and and that's still pretty fast but um i i found this really curious this is obviously not um research material that was provided by by candlewick <laughs> because this this predates your relationship with candlewick but this this notion of printing from shoes is this some like a um is this a technique that not one that you would have learned at pratt necessarily but but something no. that you wanted to try in particular in relation to the story that you were trying to tell yeah so it was about a shoemaker and um well originally that character was um was actually just um it was an alphabet book with that character that i proposed but uh abrams my first publisher had just done an alphabet book and and the art director was like i don't want to do another alphabet book um is there anything else that and i had just been in a class um uh doing storytellings and doing so, so I was doing art then I think I was I think it was a, an art teacher um just a day or one day a week or so um at a school and they were I had them painting a mural on the floor and the kids had stepped in the paint and then stepped on the paper and noticed the patterns on their shoes and so I and and we were doing a whole shoe thing and I said oh well our kid my kids the class that I was just at was really into shoes what if we made him a shoemaker so um uh, and then the, the printing of the shoes was from that. And I started collecting old shoes and sneakers from thrift stores. You know, I used to be able to buy them for like a dollar or something like really cheap, like old ones. And I got donations and I just found all different cool um, bottoms and printed the papers to make them because he was a shoemaker. And I thought that would be an interesting way to do it. So I also thought back then, like, illustration for children's books should be collage because I was such a big Eric Carle fan and that's, and Leo Leone and that's what I knew, you know, and oh, it was a children's book, you know, it, it wasn't as true to what I was. It wasn't until like Christmas giant when, um, that was drawn with fountain pen and looked very much like the sketches in my sketchbook because I was, um, at Candlewick then, um, working on picture books, um, with, uh, great art director Kristen Nobles and and she was looking at my sketchbooks and everything and encouraged me to make the art the way that my sketches were you know and everything and be more true to to the way that I drew um which was great what was the, the this uh, avowed enthusiasm for fountain pens I, I mean that 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 predates <laughs> so, your publication of Christmas Giant yeah so I mean it's just become a thing like so when I was in high school I found an old cheap Schaefer school pen, uh, fountain pen and, and just loved it. And then in college, you know, one of the drawing teachers said, Oh, you know, if you want to do ink drawings, a fountain pen. And I discovered a, a store that's no longer there, Art Brown, um, and saved up money and went in. And, um, I saw that there were some, you know, the ones that I had to ink cartridges, but I saw that there were old ones that, or other ones that you could fill from a bottle of ink. And I thought that was really cool. And so I saved up and went in and, um, the nice lady there, Marilyn, um, so we, she, she could tell I was covered in paint. I was like an art student. Um, and they had really fancy pens and everything, but she was so nice to me and said, you know, well, how much money do you have? You know? 
And I think I had back then like $50 and that was a lot of money. I'd saved up a really long time for that. So she took out like four pens. She's like, well, these are the four that you can, you know, afford. And my one other pen that, like I said, took cartridges was black. She goes, what color is your other pen? And I said, black. And she goes, well, then you need to get this burgundy one. So you have a different color. I don't know why. And I still have that pen. Uh, and it's a great pen. Um, and so it just became something that I was interested in. I liked the mechanics of, of them, the way they filled, and, and just that I could keep drawing. Dip pens, I was always spilling the ink. I was always big drops of dribbles of ink on the paper and, and just couldn't control them enough to... To, and they just couldn't keep up with my hand because I had to keep dipping and, and everything. So I really liked the the fountain pens and um, just started to, you know, slowly collect them. And then with online fountain pen network and finding out about fountain pen shows and meeting people at fountain pen shows. And it just kind of became a thing. Now, you don't need a fancy fountain pen to do illustration. And I, I want people to understand that you don't need to spend money on a pen to, to draw. I mean, my all my go books and a lot of my um some of my books are just drawn with a stick dipped in ink so you don't need you know but it's just something that i enjoy i always say if i had a garage i would have old cars that i've been working on but since i live in the city in a tiny apartment i can work on old pens and it's just a fun thing for me to do and it's fun because you know each one draws different and it's fun to find the right line for the right book and um you know just it's just something that, um, but it's become a thing that I'm the guy that illustrates with fountain pens, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you say, uh, a stick dipped in ink, you, you yeah. mean literally stick, stick dipped in ink. Yeah, literally. Um, um, I, I'll carve a dowel sometimes and, but literally like just a tree branch also. Um, I like to carve the, the dowels into, into shapes and, um, kind of give them sometimes we used to, like in, in college, we used to, um, I learned this, and we used to wrap rubber bands around them to kind of make it like a little reservoir for the ink. Um, but I find actually if you just soak the wood in water, so if you carve a point onto a dowel um, and soak it in water for, you know, you can do it overnight or you can just do it for an hour or two. Um, once you dip it in the ink, the water opens up the pores and it really holds the ink for a long time. But you can also buy just like bamboo pens at, the art store for a few bucks, but, um, and, um, and they, they were great, but again, you're dipping. So, you know, I like the fountain pens cause I can just keep drawing, you know? Yeah. So I want to, I want to revisit something you said that sure. if I, if I learn anything from this conversation, it is the fact that there are such things as fountain pen shows. <laughs> yes, I know. I was surprised too. Um, yeah, there's fountain pen shows, just like there's car shows and stamp collecting shows and, and anything else out there. Um, and they're wonderful. And it's funny cause we have a good friend, Richard Binder, who's, um, actually created some nibs for me to draw with, you know, I'll talk to him about what kind of line I want and he'll, he grinds the metal on the nibs and, and everything he's since retired, but he, he, luckily he still works on pens every once in a while for me. And he's still at pen shows. He works on people's pens at pen shows and fixes them and gets them um, writing and everything. But the first time, the first pen show that I was at, he said, you're here for the pens this time, but you'll come back for the, but soon it'll be that you're coming to the pen shows for the people. And it's true because we've met so many nice people in the fountain pen world. And, um, and you know, I have so many pens now. It's like, I don't need to go to a pen show to get pens. I, I have plenty of pens, but it's nice to go and meet and see the, the people that we know and everything. And they're all really passionate just about these great old writing instruments and, you know, ink and all the things that, you know, I use to make my art. So it's a, it's a really fun world, but yeah, 
um, definitely go if you like pens. Fountain pen shows are really fun and really um, interesting. And it's just tables and tables of people selling old pens and people selling new pens. And then there's people like Richard um, and uh, Mike and Linda from Independence uh, who work on pens. So if you have a broken pen, you can sign up on their list and you can sit down and they'll, they'll fix it usually right there. Sometimes they have to take it home because it's a bigger job. Um, but you know, they'll get your pen writing again, which is great, you know? So, wow. Yeah. So <clears throat> this notion of, crazy, of having this crazy world, yeah. <laughs> but that th this whole notion of, of, um, working on pens and collecting pens is I think, uh, illustrative of, uh, a, a larger uh, thing, which is, um, you, you mentioned you don't have to have nice fountain pens to make children's books. I, I think that, that, that the thing to observe about your process is that you seem to enjoy exploring craft and exploring different types of tools and different ways of, of making books. I mean, fountain pens are, are, are <laughs> I think, what what makes some of your books the, the most distinctive as the tool that you choose to use. But, you know, some of this collage stuff and some of your more recent board books are very uh, visceral and exploratory in terms of art style. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, that's that's the fun for me is, 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 you know, thinking about the art and thinking about how I can create, you know, maybe just use a little bit different line or a different texture or a different um, way of creating the art is what really gets me excited um, about the whole process. And I was, I'm really lucky with um, my newest books from Kennewick, uh, Blackbird, Yellow Sun and Mama Tiger, Tiger Cub um, that, you know, the art director at Kennewick just said, make art and as an illustrator and as an artist to have someone trust you enough for them to say that um is really um huge and really amazing and so i got to um experiment with this new way of just printing you know i was trying to paint it at first the blackbird and the sun and <clears throat> i was inspired by ellsworth kelly's work um which is really uh these bold graphic colored shapes and i said this would be if I could get, if I could simplify the shapes to a board book enough, but still tell a simple story, um, this would be really amazing, you know. And I, I usually come from some place in the art world to try to get it, you know, into um, my illustration. And so I was trying to paint them, and it just wasn't working. And I had a little piece of cardboard on the side of my table because I always have scraps and messes in my studio. And I just took, put some paint on it and I stamped it on the paper because it was an interesting shape. And I kind of liked that texture. And I said, wow, that's like a really like quick, like um, very immediate um, graphic way to print, you know? So I cut up some more cardboard and I got actual printing ink. And that the, I have to say, I just use this Speedball water-based printing ink and it's, it's fantastic. They have some, and I'm not getting any accolades from them or anything, but it, they have a great product. The colors mix really well and, and they print really opaque and really nice. So I was able to like really put a lot of paint on these pieces of, it was just chipboard, like the back of a legal pad, you know, and I would just mm -hmm. cut out these shapes with these big Fisker craft shears, you know, and I would just, I would try to just cut them out as, you know, and create these bold graphic shapes and then and then print them and the it just came out it came out you know really it, it really excited me and and i got this really nice texture in it and then i collaged the the bird and the worm out of just 
colored flat paper. So there was this nice contrast. Now, I originally did that artwork six by six as the page size. <clears throat> so original, so the two-page spread is six by 12. When I sent it to Candlewick, here is another example of them really caring about creating these beautiful books. Um, they said, they, they said, you know, we were thinking about blowing it up to eight by eight. Let us send you some proofs and see what you think. And when they did, it just brought out the texture of the paint. And, um, and I was working with them because, you know, I wanted to do board books, but I wanted a matte finish on it. And so the cover is really nice and matte and the inside is a, is a semi matte, which is nice. And you really see the texture to the paint. And it's just like this really nice experience. And, um, and it just really stands out, I think, from from the other board books. And it just uh, it was it was really a gratifying experience to do that book. Um, I'm just really happy with it. So, yeah, 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 it looks great. And and to call that out just for the for the recording, that Mama Tiger, Tiger Cub, before I forget to plug the release of that. Is yeah, May, yeah, May 14th. Yeah, May 14th. That comes out. I just got the book of a box of my author copies. So that's always exciting to post, um, to see. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, you know, so that book, so we did colors with Blackbird and, and Mama Tiger. I'm, I was just wanted to do like descriptive words <clears throat> and just felt like to introduce to the young, you know, reader, this really, you know, board works are really young toddlers and everything, just some interesting words into their vocabulary so that they're just, you know, getting exposed to, you know, so we have like zigzag river and fragrant flowers. And I think that's good, you know, that to, to just um, expose them to different words and everything. And, and just by reading to them, you know, they're, they're getting so much. And then it's a nice story about the, the mama tiger kind of, you know, the, the, the cub kind of runs off and she's kind of running around either trying to get some food or, or, you know, find him and, <clears throat> Mama Tiger roars. And, and, you know, that was a little contention when I proposed it that, you know, well, she's, you know, it's kind of scary. She's yelling, you know, or whatever. And I said, yeah, but moms yell. It's okay. And because the next page, they're snuggling and they're hol she's holding him and you can tell that they love each other. And that's exactly what happens. You know, the, the cub has run away. She's roaring for him because she's concerned and, and everything. But then she's hugging him and loving him at the end. And that's, you know, something that, that, parents and children will relate to in in a board book especially at that age you know so the the, the freeness of some of these early year books um I, I never would have thought about mama tiger tiger cub necessarily until you walk me through it with the notion of a story arc but the way that you describe it is is i think um is evocative that there's that sort of like emotional sort of roller coaster payoff at the end where they're snuggling, which is a really nice, nice moment. Um, there's this nice b balance in in all your books, but particularly these nice balance between this very visceral art style and um, a sparseness of words that uh, that allows freedom to explore what's on the page. I imagine that's really intentional on your part, but can you can you talk about how, how that how that happens? Yes, it's actually much harder to the simpler the book, um, <clears throat> the the fewer words because the words have to be just right. You know, um, it's something that I I really enjoy doing because 
um, you know, I think mostly visual. So the story actually um, comes first in my mind visually. Um, and I mean, I'll, words will be popping in as I'm thinking about the book and creating the book and picturing it. Um, but I, the, the visuals really come first and and then to create such a simple book was actually is actually very challenging because you still want it to be engaging, but you want that impact of the the bold graphic illustrations and then having just the right words um, to tell the story. So it's just a lot of um, exploration of different words and seeing what will work and reading them aloud. Um, I read all my books aloud many times. My wife is a kindergarten teacher, so I'll be reading them to her a lot. Sometimes I will bring them into my um, classroom and read them to the children and even just show them sketches in my sketchbook to see how they respond to things. And um, and sometimes even reading them to other teachers that I work with to see, you know, because they're, they're reading children's books all day. So they're a great um, sounding board. Um I'm working on a picture book right now with Candlewick um, that has many more words than most of my other books, except maybe Christmas Giant or Zephyr Takes Flight. So it's kind of back to the my older um, character. It's a character-driven book. It's four characters, four main characters, and it's creating this whole world. And um, it's just a little bit different part of my brain. Um, and it's kind of fun because there's more dialogue and stuff. So it's nice to be able to do both. I like doing the picture books <clears throat> that are more complicated, creating these whole worlds and more complicated illustrations. And then um, the board books, I call my palette cleansers because they they kind of um, let me kind of be more free as far as an artist um, in creating um, other things and trying trying new things. So not not, not beholden to a specific storyline and having to block text out or block block space on the page out for for text and things. Yeah. Yeah, and there there are a little bit fewer pages and you know, you know, a picture book you're it's like a um it's like creating a whole album of music and trying to, you know, when 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 groups like the Beatles and stuff would create a whole album and think about the whole arc of the album is what like I think of like a picture book whereas the board books are more like just creating that great song, <laughs> you know, um, and what invo is involved in a single song because you, you can, um, you know, the picture book is 32 pages. So you, you, and I'm usually trying to create these whole worlds and everything. And how do I tell the story in those pages and, 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 you know, the, the page turn and everything, um, with the board books. Yeah, there is that page turn in that and everything, but it's a little bit, it's a shorter format. Um, and it's a different attention span. You know, I feel like I'm reading those to the younger children, although I've had schools where the those board books are in the kindergarten classrooms because the kids can read them and they're reading them to other kids. And that's why they enjoy my board books in those classrooms. So that's an interesting part of the board books, too. Um, you know, with the with the young, you know, I just did the New York Public Library um to kick off children's book week and um it's a story time so it, it's a, it's a younger group and they were there for the board books and for blackbird and i got to read the mama tiger it was my first time reading mama tiger and you know with that i'll read blackbird quickly one time through and then we'll read it again and we'll act it out 
So when he's walking through the green grass, we'll march through the green grass. And when he's eating a grape, we'll pretend to take a grape. And if you can get that younger group moving with a board book, I feel that's how they really respond because they just, they need to be moving. They need to be up and moving. Um, they're still listening. They're still enjoying the story. It's just a different age. So, you know, whereas when I used to teach four and fives, you know, they could sit there and listen to a picture book that's really involved with dialogue and everything. Whereas with the board book group, I think more of like books like We're Going on a Bear Hunt or Wheels on the Bus, um, you know, those kind of books and where you can like have movement and um, get them up and, you know, involved. Yeah. And, and I, I imagine that's part of the conversation as you're reviewing with your, you know, can, Candlewick. But um, is that something that you take into account as you're creating the art or would that constrain you in the early stages of, you know, like blocking out pages for Blackbird? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because, yeah, sometimes you're creating a book and you have to say to yourself, okay, don't get, don't get involved with, with, you know, all the things that you can think about of, you know, you know, well, what books are popular and what books do people want? And does this fit into, you know, STEM or, you know, curriculums and all that? You know, if you have too much of that stuff in your head, you're not going to create a book that's that you just you pulled in too many directions. It's it, it, it's not going to work. You really need to just, you know, have an idea of a story that you want to tell and let yourself create it. And then, you know, if there's small tweaks that can make it work better as that kind of book after you, you've really kind of, you know, created something and have something on the page, um, then I, I mean, I think that's fine, but you know, if you're trying to create a, you can't, you can't sit down to create a book that fits, you know, a need or, or I just never feel like that works because you need to sit down and create a story that you want in the world that you are passionate about that, um, you know, you're excited about, you know, creating a world that you want to be in. Um, and, and I mean, going, going back to, to the early part of the conversation, some of that, I, I guess could be a reflection of your, <laughs> I don't know what the right descriptor is, but the, but your early work by committee, the illustration work, corporate work by committee. I mean, if you're working to your audience rather than to your interest, uh, the entire public is your committee in that sense. And it's very distracting or could oh, be really distracting. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I talk to other authors who get so caught up in comments made about their books and everything. And, uh, you know, you you just can't live your life that way. Um, I had I talked about my teacher Dave Pasolacqua, and he he did a lot of great illustration work, and he he did Saturday evening post covers, and he did um, a portrait of the Pope, and he actually and he did the Pope, and he did Fidel Castro, so two extremes, and in both of them, half the letters that were sent into the post loved his cover, and half hated them on both of them. And he was like, oh, you know, am I doing something wrong? They, you know, half of them hate the thing. And his art director at the time said to him, no, that means you're doing it right. Because you can't please everyone. If you're pleasing everyone, you're not doing something that's that's real. You know, um, you're just catering to, and you'll never please everyone. And so I always think about that. It's like, just do what's true to you, something that you love, that you want to see in the world. And then 
yeah, some people are going to have a problem with it. You know, it's, it's, it's just the way the world is, you know, and especially now with social media and everything, anyone can say anything about anything. So I guess, yeah, I guess starting out with the corporate illustration with all those voices and everything um, has, has given me the skills to, uh, to not get involved in that. <laughs> I mean, in a certain sense, whether it's corporate illustration or, or, or working with a publisher or whatever, um, it's a good day when you please anyone. I mean, if you're changing anybody's life or anybody's day, that's, that's really the, to me, the, 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 the thing that you should be aiming for. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why you, you want to put these things out in the world is to, to hopefully affect someone's life and, and, you know, um, and everything. I just mean, like, like we were talking about, you know, the, the having 20 different people on a committee telling you 20 different ways to go. And if you have all those voices in your head, when you sit down to create this story, you're, you're not going to know which way to go. You have to go, you have to follow your heart and which way you want the story to go, you know? And then, but then you always are working with people. You're always collaborating and then you take their, and like I said, you know, I'm lucky enough to now work with people that I know when they give notes or they give, um, uh, ideas, uh, for changes, it's because they want to create the best book and put the best thing out there. It's not just them making a comment because they feel like they need to make a comment to, you know, to be there. It's because they want to, they also want to create the best thing. So you're, you're getting it from a different point of view, you know, from a different place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about character in some of your books. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a through line here that, um, the entire page, in, in a sense, is the character. Um, oh, I, I'm thinking yeah. about uh, some of some of your books. Uh, some of the main characters, like for um, Have You Seen My Dragon or Have You Seen My Monster, and even um, even Christmas Giant. Um, the main character is so small on the page that he's dwarfed, or she is dwarfed <laughs> by their environment. Um, I also imagine that's intentional on your part. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's funny because the picture book I'm working on right now is very about the characters and developing the personalities of the characters and they all feel differently and hopefully creating empathy, um, with young readers for different people. Um, but you know, those books are more about, um, giving chewing gum to the eyes, um, creating these environments, you know, the things that I loved, like the, the Richard scary, you know, um, busy word books and stuff where, you know, I had trouble reading and I, I, so I didn't always, I wasn't able to really get, I, I also was, you know, socially awkward. So I didn't always like respond to the, um, the, the social parts of, you know, understanding characters and stuff, but, books like Richard Scarry's and I could look at all those illustrations and I could get lost in all those things happening and everything. So it's, I guess it's kind of from there. Um, and, um, yeah. And the, the character is small and, and simple and hopefully that lets any child kind of, you know, feel like that character and have this adventure, um, in these, you know, crazy environments that I've drawn. Um, yeah. I, I ha- yeah, I, I have a couple of kids. So one is two and one is five and a half at, at oh. time of recording of this book. And and, uh, and again, you know, they've been a great sort of help in 
prepping for this conversation in the sense that we've read through the the books a bunch of times and um and and watching them or or um sitting with them as they explore the art on on the pages of your books and and any books is is very insightful into what they get out of that i mean your your book uh have you seen my lunchbox is a the the one that jumps to mind as a good example of you know you could sit down and read that or you could sit down and explore that and explore the environments and explore the the artwork uh and you know back to your point about the board books and reading them and getting kids interacting with them um and marrying that with your point about richard scary i think that's um it's it's interesting to have uh, such detailed environments that you could take in a bunch of different directions. Yeah, it's I, I'm I'm glad you said that because that's I I when I do a book I'm hoping that it's a book that's read over and over again in the sense that you know there there's a, a story but then the child is going back and discovering things um, each time they're reading them. I mean that's that's the kind of illustration like I said that I used to love um and and so that's the kind that I want to create and so I'm I I want my book to be read many times and and them to find something new each time um so yeah it's it's definitely something I I set out to do even the new picture book that I'm working on now um the my editor even said that she's like well we you know a, a steve light book we what if the story went a little bit this way so that you could have more going on because that's what we really want to see from a steve light book because you're creating this whole world we want to see all these things and that was so nice of her to be thinking about you know um that you know you you also are known you you get known for things you know and even though i'm i'm hopefully breaking out of it a little bit where like i said there's more characters and dialogue and and uh, real emotions um in the book in the new book um but then you know it's still something that i think can add to the story in that um you have these pages with with lots of things. And that's really such a fun joy for me is to hide things in the illustrations. And when I go and I read my books, I show children the things that I hid in the book. And, you know, uh, there's a monkey in the zoo of have you seen my dragon? And he has a stick and he's stealing the keys from the zookeeper. And so I always say to the kids, ask me at the end and I'll show you where he escapes to. And so on the back cover of the dust jacket of the dust cover, um, he's up on in the um, right-hand corner on the corner of a building. And to just hide those kind of things, I mean, even in Builders and Breakers, the, the blueprint has an eagle on it. The eagle belongs to the domed building. And on the last page where they're yelling, Dad, the, the eagle is actually be, um, hanging from the crane and getting put into place. Just those kind of things are, like, so much fun for me while I'm illustrating. And then to share them with the children is, is, is really cool because they feel like they're really a part. And hopefully they, some of them have discovered them on their own, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's really one of my loves is just putting all these things into these worlds. In in a sense, doing that sort of detailed insertion of secrets and, 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 and the level of, of passion that you put into the craft of a book, um, speaks, I think, to your experience as an educator and, and, and entertainer. Um, the, 
I mean, you've been a teacher for a couple of decades now, at least. You, yeah. w- was it always the intention to take the books that you created and not just read them within your, you know, your own classroom, but to take them out into the world and whether that be focus testing them, uh, you know, in, in the public eye or just doing, you know, educational outreach to the public at libraries or, or whatever. Was that always something that you wanted to do? No, it's actually, it was, um, kind of hard for me. Um, you know, that it it was, it was hard for me, um, socially and to do, you know, I would say no, when I first started to a lot of these events and things and actually, um, getting married to my wonderful wife, Christine, um, she started to come to a lot of these events with me. Um, you know, I would, I would get calls from them. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to go to that. I, I, I can't handle all the people. I, I socially, I was just very awkward and I, I couldn't deal with everything that was going on. And, and she said, well, I'll go with you and it'll be fine. And so we would go and she has helped me immensely in, um, dealing with other people. I would come back and I would be like, Oh, that was awful. I, I did this, I did this. And she said, no, you're, you were great. You know, you're just, your perception of it, you know, was not correct, you know? Um, and just helping me that way, um, has been huge. So you'll, you know, people will see my wife a lot at a lot of these events and, um, and she helps me immensely. Um, and, uh, it's just, I've just built up that muscle of how to, um, you know, share my books with people and talk to people and, and be around, uh, large groups like that. Um, and I feel like it is a muscle that you just, you know, you, you learn to use and, um, and now I actually really enjoy it. I actually really enjoy going to these things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a big difference in over the years, um, till now. So, yeah, yeah. So in the same sense of, of learning to work, not by committee necessarily, but learning to take, um, take notes on your art and learning to sort of be in this public space and, and live with yourself, I, I think are, are of a piece in terms of, you know, there's craft and then there's living with your craft and promoting your craft and, and, um, yeah, and, and, and standing by it. It's such a big part of it. You know, I always thought like I could just, you know, I wanted to just live in my cave in my studio and, and slide the artwork under the door and not, you know, ever, but it's, it, that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, making connections with people and, and having them connect with your art, you know, and your, your work. So, um, learning that, um, has made a big difference and been a big, uh, a big, uh, step for me to do and to work on, you know? Um, so, I mean, in in the context of a conversation that's about finishing creative projects and putting them out into the world, has this has that aspect um, changed the way that your work is received by the public? Has it been a marketing tool for you to put it sort of like, you know, crass sales wise? Um, Has what been a marketing tool? The, the educational outreach, the reading at libraries and, and things like that. Oh. I mean, I know I know that you follow it. You follow your interest in what it does for people. But but has that changed the public sort of reaction and, and embracing of your books? I, I think it helps. You know, it helps to get out there and and um, and be in those environments. And and I mean, I, I have such a warm place in my heart for librarians. So anytime they want me to go to any library, I'm like absolutely because to just 
librarians are the best people on the planet and to, to connect with them and, and librarians and teachers, you know, so it's like, those are two of my favorite people. So anytime I can connect with librarians and teachers and, and, um, um, and just see what they're doing and see, I, I just like to talk to them about what books they're excited about and what things they're excited to do in their class and what, you know, and, and everything. Cause it's, it's, that's my other passion, you know, between books and teaching. So those all kind of go together. So when I get to go to another class and I just see, just seeing the things that are on the shelf, you know, that, well, what books are they really interested in right now? You know, the same with the libraries. Well, which, what are your most popular books? What are you really into? You know what, you know, or just, you know, the librarian just the other day, you know, just sang a song that I had never sung with, with the young children before. And it was great, you know, and, um, and just that kind of thing, because, you know, it's, 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 those are all the things that I'm passionate about. So I don't think of it as like, you know, marketing, I just think of it as, you know, um, now, you know, connecting with people that I care about, you know, that I, I want to connect with and, and hopefully, uh, you know, getting people to, to be excited about my books, you know, sure. Helping them reach a wider audience. So you, you, you in a, in some capacity also educate adults. I mean, you were just in St. Louis, my town, um, for a, for a conference and you'll be doing this illustration workshop in the summer. Um, how, how has that been? It's a totally different audience. Yeah, it's, it's fun. You know, I actually got to teach a semester or two, uh, at, uh, Parsons, uh, for drawing, teaching drawing. Um, so that was like college students. So that's, that's interesting also. And yeah, so I'll be in, uh, the highlights foundation has a illustration intensive that I'll be doing, um, in the summer in July. Um, and it's, there's a bunch of amazing author illustrators that are going to be there. Kelly light, um, who has the same last name as me, but is, we're not related, but she is my I call her my faux sister because we're we connected because we had the same last names and did children's books and her and my wife are we're all good friends and um she's just uh my faux sis we're just so connected as far as what we like and everything mike carrado who uh wrote the little elliot books who's amazing um meryl rainey and um oh my gosh and now i feel bad because i'm gonna forget someone um and there's one or two other people uh there um and uh so it's gonna be a great uh it's really fun uh teaching adults because uh you can curse occasionally uh <laughs> whereas the little children you shouldn't do that no um ideally no you know it's just nice uh to connect with the adults that are passionate about um children's books and creating um you know art and and everything um i'll be showing how to do the cardboard printing process um yeah and in st louis you know i was on a panel so that's like different and and it was a science national science teachers association so they're looking at my books from a different angle you know and the swap won a a, a best of stem award um you know because it's about them trading things in the book um but you know, it's, it's such a great, like, way to use math and science and, and even, you know, you can get into trade routes and boats and sink and float and all kinds of things, you know. So, um, it's fun, it's fun to talk to the, the, the adults about stuff and see what they're passionate about. And they're, they're always thinking about, you know, kids are just more interested in the fun and the, the story and the, um, you know, and everything. Whereas the adults are, you know, I had a, uh, 
person yesterday at the New York Public Library afterwards. Um, she asked me, um, how many people work in your studio? And I said, I, I just it's just me in my studio. And she goes, you don't have anyone working for you? How do you create all this work? And I was like, I was like, no, it's just me. She's like, you don't have an assistant? I was like, no, I have my wife who helps me once in a while, but you know, it's basically just me. Um, so there, there's always um, interesting to see the um, the different points of view um, from the adults, and also hopefully encourage them, you know, to follow their dreams and create what they want, you know. Um, and hopefully we can get some people uh, excited about creating art at the illustration intensive and um it's nice to meet the to see the other authors and illustrators too and see how they work and and everything it's been nice to connect with other authors and illustrators um in this business um the children's book world is a really um really nice group of people um and i feel really blessed to be a part of it and sharing it with adults and children yeah yeah for sure um yeah. So uh, despite your lack of an assistant, you, you have <laughs> been, you have been pretty, uh, pretty prolific in your, uh, children's book creation career. I mean, uh, almost at least one book published per year. Is there, uh, is there anything that you struggle with in particularly that, that, that is a barrier to you getting your work done and out into the world? Um, you know, sometimes my worlds collide, the the teaching and the, the book worlds collide, where, you know, there'll be, you know, a BEA conference and I'll have parent-teacher conferences on the same day, you know, and it's like, that's, that's sometimes hard, but it, it usually works out um, and everything. Um, you know, I think... I, you know, I try not to think about the barriers or the the... You know, otherwise you you tend to focus on those and and they get in your way. I try to focus on the the positive things and make the positive things stronger, so that um, uh, so that they just kind of overshadow the 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 negative things. And yeah, you know, I I get frustrated and I have you know, um, hard times and everything. Um, and I think it's just a matter of realizing that you know, uh, that famous saying, "This too shall pass." You know, you'll you'll so that you really enjoy the good moments because this too shall pass. And you also know that when it's, it's tough going and you're having a hard time that this too shall pass. And, you know, I try not to force it. Like if I'm having trouble writing a book or working on a book, um, I try to just, and that's, it's hard for me because I always want to be working. Um, but I try to just let it be. And I just try to think about something else, work on something else, do something else and that's why the teaching is great because i can go and teach and play with play-doh and do something fun with the children or read a story that i wouldn't normally pick up and that might give me an idea or just you know their, their reaction to it might give me an idea and so that when i come back to it um it's usually worked out you know it, i've given my brain enough time to percolate on it in the back of my head and um, and then when I come back to it, it's it's usually worked out. I try because when you're sitting down and you're trying, you know, you you have this problem and you can't figure it out, and you're sitting down and okay, I'm gonna figure it out right now, and I'm gonna sit down and work on it. It just never really works. It's always just really and it's really frustrating. So I I try to just go, okay, this isn't working right now. Let me go either work on this other part of the book or something else, and you know, and that usually works. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And you never know what that other experience is going to unlock yeah. for you. Yeah, exactly. What I, we're, we're about at our hour here, but I, I wanted to end with um, just a, a question about recommending something that, that fills your cup in particular, whether that be lately or historically. I know we've talked about Richard Scarry books, which nobody needs to recommend. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, timeless classics. But, but what, uh, what, what would you recommend that, that helps you create? So, so one of my favorite things is, first of all, just a regular dictionary. And sometimes I'll just and I have like an old school regular dictionary and I'll just randomly open it and read a word, pick a word, read a word and then and try to like research that word or think about that word and uh, just explore it. And that usually leads to something. There's also something called the pictorial pictorial Webster's and it's the. It also says a visual dictionary of curiosities. I'm, I have it in my hand right now. Um, and it's all the old wood engravings from the Webster's Dictionary. So you can just open it and there's just all these cool, like crazy things that you would never really think about. And I usually, um, if I'm if I'm feeling like blocked or, or having trouble or just not creative, I'll just open this book and pick out something um, and just start drawing it and start researching it and see if I can find whatever information I can on it, whatever other whatever mythology or fables or whatever on this weird thing that you know I just picked out of um, this book. And you know, when I was in college, we we didn't have Google Picture, you know, image where you could just. I mean, now you can just look up anything. It's just. We used to have to go to the library. They had picture files where the librarians cut out pictures from old magazines, put them in files. You know, so if you needed, I remember I needed a what a mux a mus, musk ox looked like, and I went to, had to go to the library and under M you would look in that file and and hopefully there would be a picture of one. You know, and and then you would take it out, you would put it in a folder, and you would check out those pictures and then bring them back. You know, when you were done, and so when I I remember going to Strand and they had this huge Webster's dictionary in it and it had these little wood engravings. So I could look up an animal and see this wood engraving of it. And that was enough for me to then use my imagination to draw it however I wanted. And it was good for other things too, that I didn't quite know how, what they looked like. And so when they came out with this and it's just the pictures, it just kind of brought that all back and just is, is a very, but I've sent it to other authors. Um, they make a pocket one too which is a nice smaller version. And I've sent it to authors um, who have told me that they, they have writer's block, which I don't really believe in because I, like I said, I just pick something else and start writing about it and then go back to the thing that you were writing. Um, and usually that works, but, um, and I, I've sent it to them as, you know, just pick something out, of, just open the book randomly, pick something out and start write write a paragraph or two about it, you know, and it just breaks you out of that. It just totally, it's a great resource. So. That's what I recommend. I, I did not expect you to recommend the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's really one of my favorite things. Um, I have many old dictionaries, and I, I love uh, I love looking up words and seeing you know the different meanings and stuff and everything. Yeah. Um, but this is this visual one is is really um, my thing right now. Um, but I love looking at old stuff too. I love looking at old um, junk and 
and like flea market and antique stores and and old toys and stuff. Um, uh, great author, uh, Robo Watkins. Um, he came over the other day to my studio, and and I have these old little toy cars that Hallmark made. I think they're called Road Rovers, and they come in these. They came in these little boxes that were illustrated. So like the little police car, and they all look like they're just big blobs. They're, they look like potatoes, but they're cars. Like, they're bizarre. And I remember having them as a kid, and they came in these little boxes. And so, like, the police car, which, like I said, looks more like a potato than a police car, but it's black and white. Um, it comes in this little tiny, like, matchbox-sized box, but the whole box is illustrated with little people and little policemen. And it's the whole police station, and it's a little garage box that you can park the car in. And, like, we were just totally geeking over them and everything. Um and so little things like that really inspire me. And I have tons of that kind of stuff around me that, you know, just sparks different ideas and stuff. So. And what a great place for you to live, to take inspiration from everything in your world, especially, you know, old, older things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the time. Um, so, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, great. And, and thank you, Steve Light, for agreeing to have this conversation with me. Sure. Thank you so much. You may contribute a verse. Thanks for listening this week. Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind their cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show, renegenerate.com, and joshmoncourts.com. See you next verse. Bye.